On this episode, the insiders track the return of analog computing. Mythic is a company looking to revolutionize AI computing through an innovative matrix processor that processes analog signals in on-chip memory before outputting them to the digital domain. Where does this tech fit today? Later, Rich interviews Abhishek Gupta, Director of Product Management at Keep Truckin, and Senya Pritzel, Senior Director of Automotive Marketing at Ambarella, about an in-cabin AI-powered dash cam that keeps an eye on the road conditions and driver behavior. The depth of partnership on these systems runs a lot deeper than you'd think. Finally, Embedded Computing Design Assistant Editor Chad Cox considers life in a post-quantum world and examines how an emerging technology, quantum tunneling, can be used to protect against attacks on IoT devices. Welcome to the Embedded Insiders. I'm Brandon Lewis, Editor-in-Chief of Embedded Computing Design, here with Rich Nass, who is the Executive Vice President and Brand Director of Embedded Computing Design and Open Systems Media. Welcome back, Rich, for the 100th 72nd time or whatever it's a weird voice you're using this time is that your uh your intro voice i'm just i'm trying out different different flavors and we're afterwards we're going to do a focus group on like five different episodes (laughs) (laughs) very good very good find my brand okay so uh who'd you see last week that i found quite intriguing Oh, well, actually, we should probably take a step back and explain why I saw people last week. So last week was um, the first time that I've been on the road since the pandemic began, all the way back in in February, March of 2020. And I went to San Jose to Sensors Converge. Um, You know, attendance was sort of what you'd expect. uh, But I saw... hold, hold, Hold on a second. You went, it, it was not a virtual conference? No, it was a live in-person. There's no live conferences. There is, there is at least one. No, actually, there, there are a couple that are starting to pop up now. I think, um, you know, for better or worse, uh, people, are, people are itching to get back to normal, even though I think there's going to be a new normal. But yes, I was in the flesh. Don't worry. I had my vaccine card. I masked up. I double masked. We're not allowed to talk about that. That's political. We don't it's, talk it's, politics it's, on it's, Embedded Insiders. Actually, I just violated my own HIPAA. So. <laughs> yes, you did. No, that's not true. You're allowed to give your own information. Okay. Well, either way, I'm not a I'm not a policy guy. Um, but yeah, I, I I went out to San Jose and we went to Center Sensors Converge with the San Jose Convention Center, and um, it was really good to see everybody. Um, a lot of the a lot of familiar faces. Um, reports were that that uh, even though there were not as many people as as normal, obviously the meetings for a lot of vendors were good. I had a bunch of great meetings, and uh, one this actually was not at the show, but one was with Mythic, and I think uh, and actually you introduced me to this company, Rich. I did, and it's one of my favorite topics, which is sort of being revisited. We had talked about this a while ago about analog computing and when we first brought it up like a year and a half two years ago people they didn't laugh at us but they didn't really take us seriously like yeah we've been there done that um but it did have a resurgence like a year and a half ago and then it's it seems to have gone away until you brought it up this week again with mythic but they're doing it a little bit differently in that 
th what they're producing is a chip full of A to Ds and D to As. So in addition to the analog computing, everything is a digital out. So as far as the board is concerned, it's a digital processor, but all the processing internally takes place in analog. The other thing that they've done, which I hadn't seen before, was that they're using the memory, not so much just to store stuff, but they're making the computations take place in the flash memory, which is pretty innovative. And the first thing I asked when I heard that was, is, is this out of academia? Because that sounds like such a non-industry thing. And, and of course the answer was yes, it's a bunch of guys from um, University of Michigan who almost lost to Rutgers this week, but that's a different story. But um, pretty cool stuff um, that they've been able to do. Uh, I haven't seen anybody who's been able to do it. So from an operating system perspective, it's just a digital processor, but everything takes place in analog. So you're doing it much faster and significantly less power. For all of those uh, digital engineers out there rolling their eyes, they do have a, plenty of tools in order to help you make that jump, but it's a really good timing. You know, maybe we're clairvoyant or something when we were talking about this about a year ago, but especially with all of these AI workloads, being able to compute signals in the analog domain, and then especially do things within memory, um, it just is so much more efficient. It's actually, when I was in their offices, I saw a little evaluation board that they had, which was an M.2 card of their analog matrix processor. That's what they referred to it. And it was plugged into an NVIDIA Jetson board, which mm -hmm. is kind of ironic. You know, the Jetson is in and of itself really targeting those types of workloads. But just because if you're doing everything in analog, as you pointed out, you can get so much more performance at so much less power. I mean, we're talking power like on the order of a couple of watts. Yep. And you I looked at it like it's a it's a boost. Right. It, you're already doing this application. You could do it a little faster and a little less power. And I don't think they're looking for a whole lot of money for this part. I think it's in the tens of dollars, the, the low tens of dollars for this part. And you put that next to a NVIDIA device. It's, it's not that big of a deal from a bomb perspective. Now, one thing I wonder, though, is despite all of the innovations of being able to do some of this computation in memory, because you're using it as a coprocessor, do you lose some of that benefit because you're running through you know, the memory of the, of the host and then on. Well, you're not, memory. you're not running to the memory of the host. It, it oh. has its own self-contained memory bank. Okay. So, so all the inputs are going straight into the analog matrix. processor. Yep. I yep. mean, you know, like we said in the beginning, because it has digital outputs, you could look at it like it's a digital chip. You know, we, we talk about the pins in pins out all the time from a pins out perspective, it's no different than any other coprocessor out there. And from a pins in perspective, who cares? It's just a black box you put on your board and it makes your system run faster. Yep. That's pretty awesome, especially if you start considering, you know, all the use cases. I know we've, we've been talking right now about, about it in terms of NVIDIA, but if you want to get really, really low power and really, really high performance, just a couple of ARM cores on some other SOC might do you just fine too. Well, do you know who else came out of University of Michigan with some pretty cool processor technology? Who's that? Ambeck. Oh, you're right. Actually, when I was meeting with Mythic, I, I, did, I did realize when they brought up U University of Michigan that I've heard that school a few times uh, in, in my travels. And yeah, Ambic does all that sub-threshold. That's what it exactly. is. Exactly, yep. It's the sub-threshold, sub yeah. Yep. Um, 
yeah which is really cool i guess i guess when it gets super cold up in michigan in the winter all they do is figure out how to run processors at extremely low power <laughs> there you go <laughs> for more on how analog technology can accelerate your ai design visit mythicai.com now learn how amborella and keep trucking have partnered to produce an ai powered dash cam to increase road safety for commercial drivers so let's start with keep trucking you guys um, are doing things in the AI space um, that's a little different than what I've seen from some other folks. Could you briefly describe how the, that works and what you guys are all about? So we we are a fully vertical, self-contained hardware to software platform. So um, the products we serve are, you know, it starts with a vehicle gateway uh, that connects into the vehicle. Uh, but then that also uh, adds on to it a plethora of other devices such as trackers and uh, AI dash cams. And so more recently, uh, you know, we uh, partnering with the Umbrella team, we recently announced a new AI dash cam uh, for the, our target market. This AI dash cam, you know, attaches on into the vehicle. Uh, it observes road behavior as well as driver behavior. And in real time, instantly alerts using AI on the edge to uh, tell drivers of sort of unsafe behaviors and, and things like that. With the target market being who? So anyone that has a commercial business, um, anyone that operates uh, commercial vehicles uh, that you know, could be ranging from you know, things like oil and gas, construction, local delivery, general freight. Uh, we serve all kinds of businesses and, across the entire country and, and across you know, North America actually. So. Uh, all types of businesses can actually benefit from this. And it's not just about sort of, um, you know, the, the, the safety aspect. There's also kind of a broad platform that allows them to manage um, all of their vehicles, um, you know, from a GPS standpoint to uh, more efficiency around how they, you know, run their business in terms of fuel maintenance, things like that. Are you the big brother that these drivers are pushing back against? Um, <clears throat> certainly, that's not our intention. <laughs> and that's not, uh, you know, and I think, you know, just kind of stepping back for a bit on what the AI dash cam is and, uh, you know, why you may say that. So, you know, what's happening in the industry today is, you know, accidents are up year over year. Uh, the, you know, you hear this term nuclear verdicts quite a bit, which is putting a lot of businesses, uh, you know, lots of businesses out of business, right? They're on average, I think like 10 million a verdict now which is going to put any kind of commercial, you know, business vehicle business out of business. Uh, E-commerce trends are up, um, you know, through the pandemic. Um, there's just way more delivery, lots more local delivery vehicles and things like that. Uh, and, you know, things happen on the road, right? People are using their cell phones now more than ever, especially while they're driving, despite what type of uh, laws there might be. And so the cost of, you know, insurance is going up. There's a cost of, you know, hiring the right drivers and training them and ensuring they follow the rules and regulations, uh, especially when you've got sort of this, you know, demand for the need for delivery. And as I mentioned, the nuclear verdicts. And so the, where the AI really fits in uh, is the fact that you can bring down the cost, right, to on the edge means that you can actually start, you know, detecting a lot of behaviors immediately when they happen to prevent a lot of accidents. For example... And, uh, so, for example, um, you know, using your cell phone, uh, you know, as soon as you pick up your cell phone, um, you know, whether you're looking down at it, whether you're trying to make a call, whether you're trying to text, 
Um, a lot of customers have policies where drivers should not be, uh, you know, doing that or because they can get fined and because they can lead to accidents. And, and that has a lot of implications. And so the cameras are not meant to be, uh, the, the cameras are actually very driver centric in the sense that, you know, they're meant to enable drivers to not only follow the rules and regulations of the road, but also make sure that they're uh, being safe drivers. And are they inward facing cameras or outward or both? Um, these, these drivers are, are, these cameras are, are both, uh, driver road facing as well as road plus driver facing. Uh, but the real benefit of this for drivers is the fact that, um, for the drivers that follow the rules, right. The drivers that follow the rules day in and day out, they're the ones that need to get rewarded. They're the ones that actually, uh, need to be retained by a lot of these fleets. And so these cameras are actually used to build up a lot of the programs for how they retain drivers, how they reward drivers, how they um, uh, you know, actually decide, hey, this driver is following the rules, let's make sure that they're benefiting from that. And so um, the other thing we look at is we make sure that all of this information, it's only accessible to the parties that need for it to be accessible, right? And so that means that uh, customers that utilize this information, uh, it's their information that they're utilizing for whatever purposes that they have. Um, and so the cameras at the end day are, you know, in our opinion, really beneficial for drivers because they will make sure that the best drivers stand out and the best drivers are rewarded and retained by a lot, a lot of these fleets. So as a parent of three kids, where were you when my kids first got their driver's license? <laughs> uh, well, that's funny you say that because we actually have, uh, you know, we have a lot of, we do a lot of internal testing with this, and this actually helps us quite a lot uh, for understanding how the product is behaving. So there's definitely a market, um, you know, very broadly speaking, um, you know, in, in all types of vehicles. Um, you know, you can see that not just in this country, but in other countries, uh, taxis or sort of uh, rideshare vehicles all have uh, dash cams at the end of day now. Uh, and so there's really a lot of benefit to this, to the, to the broader public at large. And I think, you know, for us, thinking about just sort of the, the uh, accidents that happen on the road, there's a lot of public externalities, you know, that, that we face, right? Like as trends are rising, you know, accidents go up, you know, we're all impacted by that. Uh, we're all impacted by the fact that, you know, someone is hurt, ambulance services are called, traffic is backed up, costs go up for the, you know, for the public to pay for all this. So we think that by actually giving a lot of the, by having these dash cams in the vehicles, um, it benefits drivers, but it also benefits the public at large, which is really going to be, uh, you know, benefit long-term, I think is, is the right trend that we want to move towards. Okay. Senya, where does Umbrella fit into this? Good question. Um, so Umbrella provides the processors that enable these devices and in specifically our processors do image processing. So take the, video signal from the camera sensor, do the image processing, enable the AI algorithms to run on, on this platform and uh, do H.264 or H.265 compression for video logging or streaming the video uh, wirelessly. And uh, what's important, it enables it to do it in an embedded form factor. So, uh, so does the information from... ever leave the vehicle or are you doing everything at the edge? Which the edge I assume is the vehicle. So the processor enables to do both. Uh, Abhishek, do you want to take the question as regard, with regards to this device? Your question is, does the information leave the vehicle? For processing purposes. So the, so the information is processed in real time uh, you know, on, the, on the vehicle. 
And uh, this information, uh, you know, due to a number of reasons, you know, the, due to the compute power efficiency on the umbrella chip, uh, you know, due to the algorithms that we've created, uh, we need this information to be highly accurate. And that's what we really ensure is, is there with our algorithms that we're creating uh, that we're detecting these alerts as quickly as it happens. One of the things that we, uh, you know, really emphasize with the products that we've created, whether it's for cell phone distraction or uh, even, or even things like CPA violations or other kind of AI capabilities built on this, we ensure that we have, you know, the lowest uh, kind of false positive rates mm-hmm. uh, in our uh, across any kind of product because we want to make sure that drivers trust the alerts that they're getting uh, from this uh, product. And so for us, it's really important. Uh, to not only rigorously test these, make sure that the approaches that we're taking to building these uh, algorithms uh, mm-hmm. are unique and, and proprietary in the sense that they drive these sort of like high accuracy goals that we have. Are you doing anything with the information in real time? Like if you see somebody's reading their phone, do you send out an alert or, you yeah. know? Yeah. That's exactly, yeah, that's exactly how it works. You know, you, you pick up your phone, uh, you get alerted right away with a voice prompt uh, that actually tells you to either keep your eyes on the road, increase your following distance. There's also visual alerts, um, you know, that come on top of that. And so the goal of this is really, uh, it's not to annoy the driver. It's to make sure the driver realizes that what they're doing it can be harmful for others on the road and, and to follow the rules and regulations. Uh, a lot of customers also have policies in place, right? You know, we hear from customers that, you know, three, three times you use your phone and, you know, you're eligible to be fired. Um, we don't want drivers to be fired. We want them to retain their jobs. And so we think this is really beneficial uh, from that standpoint to make sure that the um, you know, drivers are following the rules. So you have a mom voice that says, put that phone down now. Uh, <clears throat> I, can, I cannot uh, confirm that, but we, do, we did go through some extensive testing on the type of uh, audio uh, clips. And you can actually find them on our website if you go to uh, keeptrucking.com. Uh, we have all of the audio uh, voice prompts available for customers to uh, try out there and hear what it sounds like. Very good. So Senya, what would you do with the next generation of your part? What else can you add in, into something, not necessarily for Keep Trucking, but something like what they're doing? Uh, excellent question. Uh, so the trend uh, with uh, our processors is that every uh, subsequent generation adds more compute performance mm-hmm while keeping the power consumption low to enable, if, if you look at uh, this AI dashcam device, the form factor is really compact, so it can sit on the windshield. And so the challenge is adding more compute power to enable more algorithms, to enable more accurate algorithms while keeping, uh, keeping them at the form factor. To learn more about the Ambarella and Keep Trucking partnership, go to ambarella.com. Now, Chad Cox discusses quantum tunneling and physically unclonable functions and why they're the perfect duo to protect quantum computers from any possible cyber attacks. Einstein studied the beginnings of quantum physics and at the time, in 1935, thought no reasonable notion of reality could be expected to permit this. Almost a century later in quantum physics has led us to the super speed of quantum computing and to be more specific, quantum tunneling. Quantum tunneling is the ability of quantum particles to cross a barrier without seeming to have passed through it. Quantum tunneling enables quantum computers to complete tasks simpler computers just cannot. Why is this important? Heisenberg's uncertainty principle states that when one is dealing with quantum particles, the particles appear to be non-existent or in multiple spaces at the same time. 
and that can have a direct impact on the security of IoT's devices today, and in particular, IoT device identities. Sharam Mosiebi, CryptoQuantique CEO, believes side-channel attacks on device identities and cryptography keys are the biggest threat to the security of IoT devices. When dealing with computers and security, quantum tunneling means there is no identified pattern of where the, art the particles will be, giving hackers no side-channel to attack. CryptoQuantique uses quantum-driven identities, QDIDs, and their physically unclonable functions, PUFs, pieces of semiconductor IP that leverage quantum tunneling to produce unique device identities and cryptographic keys. Together, these unique identities and keys form a hardware root of trust that has been verified secure up to common criteria evaluation assurance level 4+. In other words, the quantum-based true random number generator provides a digital fingerprint that essentially cannot be replicated or hacked. As Mosiebi stated, all of these truly random numbers are generated on demand and do not need to be stored, eliminating a significant security weakness of key injection. CryptoQuantique's QDID IP consists of a 64 by 64 array of cells, with each cell containing two transistors. The technology then uses quantum tunneling through the CMOS oxide layer. Electrons circulate through this layer to varying degrees. The currents involved are in the order of femtoamps, 10 or 15 amps, or a few tens of electrons with the QDID measures these electron flows to generate randoms, random one or zeros based on the readings of adjacent cells. To prove its security attained the aforementioned EAL4+, CryptoQuantique contracted eShard, an independent security consulting agency and penetration testing firm, who verified that the QDID CMOS semiconductor IP is impervious to side-channel attacks. The three-month eShard study attempted to hack it, looking for ways to explore sensitive assets that an adversary may look for in the related attack scenarios. According to eShard CEO, our security analysts probed near-field electromagnetic emissions of the CryptoQuantix test chip and concluded that, with respect to the QDID analog IP, the product shows resistance to high attack potential required for EL4 Plus certification. Beyond individual device identity safeguards and hack protection, the CryptoQuantique technology can be deployed as the basis of secure IoT supply chains. For more information, visit CryptoQuantique.com. Thanks for listening to this edition of Embedded Insiders. For daily news, videos, and podcasts, visit our website, embeddedcomputing.com.